On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about the controversy that's been in the news all week long. A lot of professional athletes are protesting, and they're doing it during the national anthem, and it's raised a huge question about allegiance to the country uh, and about making reasonable protests and all that sort of thing. We actually think there's a biblical uh, principle at stake. And as Christians, how should we react to all this sort of thing? That's going to be our discussion tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. Stay tuned. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome to the virtual bible study this is the virtual bible study for thursday night september the 28th uh, 2017. We're glad you're out there listening. And uh, as you are looking at your screen, you're probably seeing some different seating arrangements. I'm sitting in Jacob's normal seats. Jacob's out of pocket tonight. And so sitting in my seat, Anthony Petrochko. Anthony, Welcome to the Virtual Bible yeah, Study. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the invitation. I'm, I'm in the, the big seat, the hot seat tonight. It's <laughs> and we got we got James Mayberry behind the board. James, thanks for joining us. Thanks for working the board tonight. Sure. All right. As we mentioned in our brief little intro, we uh, want to talk about what is, I think, a really hot-button topic right now in our country. Seems like if you turn on the radio, if you listen to any news outlets, you're getting a lot of chatter about these pro athletes who are making a protest during the national anthem at the start of ball games and different sporting events and so forth. And I'm telling you, it's really been a polarizing question, and there's a pretty pretty hot emotions on both sides of the question. We kind of want to step back from that a little bit and just think about you use that as a springboard for a discussion as to us as Christians, how do we react to our country, allegiance to our country, participation in the um, cultural events that relate to being a member, uh, a citizen in this country, and so forth? That's what we want to talk about, Anthony. Right. It's 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 pretty much everywhere you turn on the news these days. Even we were talking before the program, just in our local paper here. There's yeah. all kinds of articles. Today was full of them, in particular, and. Um, you know, so it's it's a hot button issue right now, and I think, as you said, it kind of you know gives us a chance to reflect on what what as a Christian, what is our relationship to the civil government, uh, what are our rights as citizens, and then what might are there any limitations perhaps to our what we might consider our rights? How do we ex, uh, how do we take advantage of those exactly. as a Christian and so forth? Exactly. This all started last year when one particular NFL player, Colin Kaepernick, uh, started sitting on the bench or kneeling during the national anthem, and now it's sort of exploded. This uh, uh, this last Sunday, there were over 200 NFL players who did not stand for the national anthem and then of course president trump got involved in it and he uses his twitter account to uh, give his opinion on things and he did and that sort of inflamed it even further and so it really has been in the news and so we thought as christians that's something that we need to be thinking about as well i i think certainly not at the level that's been going on in pro sports but I think it's a it's a worthy discussion. So earlier today to our update list, and we always remind you, if you're not on our update list, you can get on our list by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. We will. And you'll get a an update uh, about midday on Thursday telling you about our topic for discussion that night, getting you thinking ahead of time so that you can participate in the program. We really want your participation. There's several ways you can do that. You can send us an email. We'll try to keep an eye on our in- email inbox during the program, questions at collegeview.com. You can give us a phone call. We have a toll-free number, 877-381-4567. Or what most people do and what we will also try to monitor tonight is our chat room. 
And uh, if you go to our website, uh, there's a there's a, ch- a live chat room going on there. Give yourself a name, your real name, a pen name, whatever you want to do, and and join in and make comments. And Anthony's going to monitor the chat room for us tonight so that we'll get your comments there. But here are the questions that we sent out earlier today. Number one, can or should Christians pledge allegiance to flag or country? Number two, how should Christians view and or participate in political activities, specifically voting, running for elected office, engaging in political rallies or protests? Number three, is there a difference between what an individual Christian might do and what the church as a collective body might do? And then number four, what are some of the spiritual dangers that Christians in America face because we live in a free country like we do? I think that can't be, we can't lose sight of that, Anthony. We've got an awful lot of privileges and, and actually those privileges can sometimes get in our way of living like God wants us to live. Exactly. Exactly. It's a good question to have on here tonight. All right. Uh, let's start out by just talking about this pledge of allegiance to the flag or the country. You know, there is an official Pledge of Allegiance. Um, I don't know about you, Anthony uh, or James, but when I was in school, especially in grade school, we were expected to state the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. We would stand up, face the flag, Pledge of Allegiance. And uh, I, I, I know at the time I never gave any consideration to whether that was right or proper, whether we should or shouldn't. There are some religious groups who object and who do and who teach that Christians ought not to pledge allegiance to the flag. And and so I think that's a a first question. My my thinking on it is that we we are we have allegiance to lots of different things. Um, We we might uh, I have you know, if I have a job in a workplace, I have allegiance to my employer, to to that company and to the work that we do. Um, If if I if 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 I'm got my kids in Little League Baseball, I have a certain allegiance to the Little League Baseball uh, organization. I mean, I I plan to be there when I'm supposed to be there and do the things that they tell me to do. If I'm a coach or I'm a player. Uh, and there, there, you could probably think of a hundred other things that we have allegiance to. I don't think it's wrong to have allegiance to things so long as that our primary allegiance, our number one allegiance is to God. And, and, and therefore, we won't let our allegiance to anything else compromise our, our commitment to doing God's will. Anthony? Yeah, that, that was my thought exactly when I was you know, reading these before the program tonight. You know, like, just like you said, there's nothing inherently wrong with having an allegiance to any other person or organization or, or civil government. And certainly we'll probably look at some verses tonight that sort of say we, we do have a certain allegiance that we're expected to have uh, towards our, our leaders and our government um, but exactly right, as you stated, as long as that allegiance is not, you know, taking the place of, of our allegiance toward God. Yeah. Um, one clear passage I think that applies here is First Peter 2, beginning verse 13. Now, we're going to mention this passage probably multiple times tonight, but in First Peter 2, beginning verse 13, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing he may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And so uh, we want to talk more about that in regards to the idea that tells us to be submissive to our civil leaders. But it suggests an idea that uh, we have a certain allegiance to them, that we owe them something. Um, in First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 1 Paul says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, givings of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God. So even praying for our our leaders is, is actually commanded of us. So I can't, I've never been quite able to imagine why there would be this objection. Right. I, I think it's just, you know, maybe people are concerned that when you're saying, you know, I pledge allegiance to the flag and to the United States of America and all of that stuff, you know, that maybe, you know, you're you're surrendering some of your, you know, your will and you're saying, well, you know, whatever you, you know, the government tells me to do, I'm going to do it even even if it contradicts God's word. But I think 
you know, if you're saying that, you understand what's in your heart when you're saying that. I don't think any of us, especially as kids, we were really thinking that we were, you know, giving ourselves over to the state yeah. to be to be, you know, pawns of the state or anything like that. But I mean, it's a worthy question. I think we should investigate. And, and again, it. the the principle is that our allegiance to government or anything else, my allegiance to the little league organization, anything else, it's going to be. Uh, certainly secondary to my allegiance to God, and and I can't compromise that. And we have the example of the apostles, and and, and this this is what they said when they were commanded. Uh, Acts four verse eighteen, the the Jewish council called them, commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot. But speak the things which we have seen and heard. And then when they were called a second time before the council and threatened in Acts chapter 5 verse 29, Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. And that's the principle. We obey God, not men. And so if our, if, if our country, in other words, I'm going to pledge my allegiance to the country. But if, if, if I deem that the country is, is, trying to require me to do something contrary to what I understand to be the will of God. My allegiance stops there. Right, right. And, you know, Randy, we actually got a a late-breaking email from Randy. He also mentioned Acts chapter 5, verse 29, as you just read. And and another one kind of was, uh, that was along the lines I was thinking, he mentions Romans 13. He he quotes several verses, but on this topic, verse 7 Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom, whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So to me, that sort of speaks to this issue. You know, we, we kind of owe an honor and, and a fear and tribute, so to speak, to our, to our nation. And to me, pledging, you know, saying the Pledge of Allegiance kind of falls under that umbrella in my mind. Yeah. Um, I didn't think of what Randy was mentioning, but Jesus himself said in Matthew 22, verse 21, Render unto, therefore, unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things which are God's. And so we, Jesus instructed, you know, make certain allowances or considerations, submission, certainly, uh, to the civil government. We want to talk more about the submission part, but just as a, just to, to, to get us started out, I think that the idea of pledging allegiance to the flag or having a it's really, I think it's more than even allegiance. It's almost sort of a patriotism. You know, it's, 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 and that's what I, that's one of the things that I found to be real unfortunate in this whole discussion this week. You know, to me, the flag, the anthem, it's always sort of been a unifying thing in, in our citizenry. And now it's becoming a divisive thing, which is hard, almost hard to imagine. Certainly all, I think all nations, uh, are we're going to have differences uh different parties different people have different opinions about things uh, but if we're going to be a successful country we seek some things in which we have in common that that sort of unite us as a country and the flag and the anthem have always been that it seems and sadly now they're they are not but i don't, I don't see anything wrong with having this sort of sense of of uh country and patriotism uh it's, as long as we understand it has its limitations. Right. Yeah, I think so. Any thoughts, James, on that? I think you covered most of the things that I had. But if you look at the um, definition of allegiance, it's fidelity owed by a subject or citizen to a sovereign or government. So that goes along with what God tells us to do. Exactly. We're going to yeah. be subject or in subjection. So, but as as you've mentioned before, the one the exception is our citi- true citizenship is in heaven. Exactly. And if anything comes between uh, our obeying God and and man, we're going to go with God. Exactly right. All right. I think that's I think that's a great starting point. I tell you what, let's do. Let's grab our. Uh, uh, first break and uh, when we come back let's go to that second question how should christians view and or participate in political activities like voting or running for office so we'll look at that and we'll, we'll go with that when we come back from this break stay tuned well, i can't it's not good are you listening? There There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this.
I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand how God views us and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in His Word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Here's some quotes worth pondering. I do the very best I know how, the very best I can, and I mean to keep on doing so until the end. That was Abraham Lincoln. A man is known by the company he keeps, and also by the company that he... Be content with what you have, but not with what you are. Man, wish I'd said that. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the virtual Bible study. We're talking about Christians and country, and how should we view our relationship as citizens in this country. And we want to talk about how we might be involved and participate in political activities. And the very first thing, and we've talked about this before in the virtual Bible study, would be the question of voting in elections. And again, and it's somewhat surprising to me, but it would go in as sort of there would be a linkage between those who think we can't even express our allegiance to the country. I think some of those same religious groups would object to their members voting in elections and there are some religious groups who say we shouldn't vote in elections they're pretty uh, they're pretty rare there are some like the jehovah's witnesses i think don't don't believe that their members should vote in elections but in regards to voting um first of all voting is one of the the rights or privileges that we have by living in this country and i think that we can demonstrate from the life of the Apostle Paul, that it's not wrong to exercise your rights as a citizen. In Acts chapter 16, we have an episode where Paul was unjustly thrown in a prison in Philippi, Paul and Silas. They were beaten, in fact, savagely beaten and thrown in a dungeon, effectively. Well, the next day, this is Acts 16, verse 17, when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeants saying, let those men go. Talking about Paul and Silas, who had been beaten and thrown in the dungeon. You remember overnight there had been a, an earthquake and uh, all kinds of events had occurred, which led to the conversion of the Philippian jailer. We're not dealing with that here. But when the next day t- dawned, the, the magistrate said, let them go. And the keeper of the prison told that saying to, told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words into the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. So basically, Paul's saying, hey, listen, we're Roman citizens here, and what you guys have done to us is illegal. It's against our rights as Roman citizens. And and the magistrates, when they heard that they were citizens and had such rights, were very afraid. So Paul wasn't Paul wasn't afraid to to call upon his rights as a citizen and probably the more famous episode where he did that was um in Acts chapter 25 he had been arrested he in fact he'd been held in custody for uh, un, again unjustly for a long time when he found out that there was a plot to kill him uh, if if he was to be returned to Jerusalem um, he said to Festus, the Roman governor who, who was in charge of his custody, in Acts 25, verse 10, Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews have I done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. And, of course, that's sort of a famous quote from Paul, but I appeal to Caesar. 
Well, he had that right. As a Roman citizen, he had a right to appeal his case to Caesar, and, and he exercised that right. So I would argue that we have apostolic example there, and that's one of the ways that we try to establish Bible authority. We have apostolic example from Paul of of exercising rights as a citizen. And and um, so I, I don't know how that could be wrong. Right, right. Uh, right. I agree. I mean, voting, as you said, voting is a is a is a unique right as a citizen of of this country. We, we live in a, a democracy or a republic, or you know, some people you know they want to quibble about those yeah, definitions. I'm not yeah. sure myself <laughs> what the difference is, but but yeah. So, but but it's a right that we have, and certainly with that example of Paul, there's nothing. You, there's nothing inherently wrong with exercising your rights as a as a citizen of a certain country, and you know those who would say, well, you know, you shouldn't pledge allegiance or you shouldn't vote. It's almost like they seem to have this belief or this fear that if you exercise those rights or if you participate in any way in the civil government, you're somehow automatically. Uh, you know, relinquishing your citizenship in heaven, but I don't see that. I don't either. And, and I don't know that I've ever heard this explained by those who object to voting. But I got to believe that they exercise other rights as citizens. For instance, if, if a burglar is breaking into my house, I'm going to call the police because I, I feel that the, the country, the, the, the locality in this case, the government of the local government owes me the protection. Uh, that's due all citizens. And so I would be actually exercising a right of a citizen to even call the police to defend me against a burglar who's breaking into my house. Um, so I, I think that we enjoy the benefits of citizenry. We have rights, and I think there's biblical basis for exercising those rights. Any thoughts, James, along those lines? I think some of the concerns from some people might be if we uh, cast a vote for a person, understanding that God raises into power those whom he wishes to raise into power, somehow they might be concerned that they're going against what God says. In other words, would my vote be opposing Opposing God's will? will? But, of course, the other side of that coin is, could my vote be one of the means that God's using to get that person in power? Absolutely. Uh, uh, So I don't don't know how you'd answer that dilemma. Uh, But... I, I've taken the position before, and we've talked about it on the virtual Bible study, that I actually think that voting is one of the ways that we can serve as salt and light in our in our society. Jesus said famously in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, beginning verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt had lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. But on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And, and I, I just really believe that in voting, there's no perfect candidates, obviously. But in voting, we're, we're voting for those who we believe will uphold certain moral principles that we think are endangered in our time. Um, will appoint people to appointed offices that will will have a tendency to move us in a righteous direction instead of the opposite direction so i think i think we have a right i think i think i i really believe we have bible that tells us we can exercise our rights as citizens and one of those rights is voting and i have to believe that it is uh, a a way for us to to right. Do good to do influence, right? I mean, you know, our vote. You know, we there. You know, we tend to think about voting in just in terms of electing people, and that's obviously the majority of the votes that we cast. But if you remember, not too long ago, we had that. Uh, what was it? The uh, prophet, not proposition. That's out in California, but the uh, something about uh, there was the, a constitutional yes, amendment here right. in Tennessee about yeah. abortion, right? So yeah. that was a, an example of direct way that w- our vote could positively influence sort of moral. You know, moral law in our area. So that, that was a great opportunity. And, you know, as you were talking about it, the idea of the, the one talent man, we, we're all pretty familiar with this, the parable of the talents. To not exercise your vote, you know, could be, could be likened to the man who just took his talent and just buried it and didn't mm-hmm. do anything with it. Yeah. And, uh, to me, it seems like a wasted opportunity. If you don't choose to vote, I'm not saying if you don't vote, you're doing something wrong, but to say that it's wrong to vote, uh, 
I don't, I don't see that lining I, up. I, I would be right with you on that. I mean, in other words, I'm not going to fall out with someone and say, I just don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. voting in this election. Uh, between the candidates that are running, I can't discern which the, would be better than the other, maybe both bad. Right. And so that, there might be some instances where I would choose not to vote, and I wouldn't object if someone had that as a decision. But I certainly, I think, would defend the right of Christians to vote. I'm, uh, I need to back up just a little bit. We have some emails that came in, and I forgot to mention them. Uh, on the first question about allegiance to flag or country, we've got an email from James in Ireland. And he says, I believe they can. I believe Christians can pledge allegiance to flag or country. Allegiance has limits, of course. When I made vows to my wife, this had to be understood to be within the context of God's law. The same goes for allegiance to country. We have an email from Paul in Washington State who says pledging allegiance is expressing our loyalty as citizens. To say a pledge or to take an oath is not inherently wrong. And he he references Psalm 110, verse 4, Hebrews 6, verses 13 through 17. I didn't have time to check those, but that would be worth checking. Again, Psalm 110, verse 4, Hebrews 6, verses 13 through 17. He says the Apostle Paul several times affirmed that he was a Roman citizen and was exercising his rights within the law. We are to be good citizens as long as it does not cause us to deny Christ or compromise our faith. Titus 3.1, Acts 5.29. I am thankful for our pledge, recognizing our country as one nation under God, reminding us that our ultimate loyalty is to God. We've got an email from Peter in Australia, way down under. And uh, he, Peter has been an off and on participant in the Virtual Bible Study for several years. But he's been, he says his job has been keeping him from being able to interact with us uh, uh, in, in a timely fashion. But it's a little something different in his schedule today allowed him to send in a, a response. Peter, we're great, is glad, to, we're glad to hear from him. It's great to have you on the Virtual Bible Study. He says, failing to stand for your country's national anthem is a disgrace. Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. I see nothing wrong with swearing allegiance to your country. The oath I took was to serve God, queen, and country. I see no problem for a Christian as long as God is first. When I became an Australian, my oath of allegiance was under God. So God is still the ultimate. Oh, I like so, that. Yep. so those those fellas all that's kind of interesting. We've got two international emails there, one from Ireland, one from Australia, but they agree with us about the principle. Allegiance is fine as long as it's understood to be secondary to God. Yeah, I appreciate those comments. Um and about voting. Um uh James in Ireland says uh it's an individual liberty. That said, Christians must remember not to be divisive, Proverbs 6, 6 or 9, and must remember that they must still speak with wisdom, Colossians 4, 6. This is often forgotten during political discussion. Uh, I believe that's right. Sometimes people get uh, overly passionate about uh, political discussions. Uh, Paul in Washington State says, Voting allows us to have a say in the choice of electing those to represent us, and by this, to have an influence on the moral issues in our laws. We're to be salt and light, Matthew 5, 13 and following, and voting is a part of our citizenships. Uh, Peter in Australia says, Any opportunity to do God's work should be embraced. So provided you vote, stand, or campaign following God's principles, again, I see no issue. Here here in Australia, it is illegal to not vote in a federal election, and we are to obey the law of land, I, and where it doesn't conflict with God's law. I didn't know that. Wow. Australians are, are, are under law bound to vote. He says, we are currently having a postal opinion vote on gay marriage in this country. There's a lot of abuse from the yes crowd. I simply say to people, quote, you can either vote for God or against him, but you will have to stand by that decision on the day of judgment. And I think that's true. That's a good observation. I mean, we're going to be accountable uh, for that vote. Yeah. So, you know, like he says, if we don't stand up, you know, we have an opportunity to stand up and make our voice known. Are, are you know, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to put our ourselves on the line, put our reputation on the line and make our stance known? Or are we going to kind of shrink back into the shadows and and uh, and not do that. So that's an interesting point. Real quickly, in, in an associ- associated question, we ask, "What about actually running for elected office?" No, okay, uh, okay, I, I'm going to I'm going to exercise my right as a citizen and vote. But could I, should I, run for elected office? What do you think about that? I Anthony? think it's a potential, a great potential opportunity. Another way. I mean, we're talking about being salt and light and exercising our influence. And what better way to 
you know, potentially directly influence, you know, the morality of our community than being directly involved in that in the, you know, uh, community government or state government. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly I don't see anything inherently wrong with it. Uh, certainly there may be some risks that might be putting yourself at, at risk for some. Yeah. And, and, and there, there'd be a big judgment involved. Would this become so consuming of my time and energies that I wouldn't be able to do other things that I feel are important in my life, right. family, certainly serving God and so forth. All those would have to be factored into the decision, but I think it is a judgment call. I don't know. I can't find any biblical principle that would forego it, that would say it is absolutely wrong. James, thoughts? No, I agree totally with what you're saying. I had the concept of this, the salt and the light. You know, we, that, that can be our way that we can do that as long as it doesn't interfere with the things that are priorities. Exactly. And right. that isn't a priority when it, it's always God, family, and then these other things. Okay, great. I think you're exactly right. All right, we're going to grab another break here. We'll go to our bullet point break. When we come back, we're going to continue the discussion. Specifically, what about these political rallies and, and in fact, political protests? And some of them get downright violent. What should Christians do and how should we react to that? We'll go to that when we come back from this break. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Wow, this Internet thing is really growing. And what could be better than using the Internet for Bible study? I guess that's what they were thinking when they dreamed up the virtual Bible study. Good idea, don't you think? This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Our bullet point this week comes from the pen of Steve Harden. Often we hear someone say, I'm not getting anything out of my Bible class. When this happens, what is the cause? There may be many causes. One could obviously be that the teacher is not prepared and that he is not doing a good job in presenting the material. However, even if this is the case, still as a Bible student, I can learn much in the class if I do the proper kind of preparation and study for the class at home. I believe that probably more often than not, the problem lies more in the other direction. The person who makes this statement may in fact be putting little or nothing into the class. They come without studying and expect the teacher to suddenly excite them about the subject and fill them with knowledge. This will not happen if we do not show enough interest at home to prepare for the class. Also, how many parents are concerned enough about their children's souls that they make sure they're getting their lessons and bringing their books? Are we wasting time and losing our children in our indifference? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the Virtual Bible Study. We want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Go to our website, collegeview.com. And, of course, that website is directly linked with our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. So you can go to either one back and forth. But you can find out lots of information about College View Church of Christ on our website. But we'd also be glad to speak to you in person. Give us a call anytime. Send us an email anytime. And we'll be glad to talk with you about what we're doing here at College View. We wanted to mention that we've got an upcoming gospel meeting here at College View. And we're going to be talking about it more as we get a little closer to the event. But uh, it's October 22nd, Sunday, through October 27th. Friday. We're going to have different gospel preachers from this general area come and bring a number of really interesting sermons to us. In fact, if you go to our homepage at collegeview.com, just today I put up a a flyer uh, on our homepage that describes the meeting and tells what those topics will be. I think they look really interesting. And so look that over, and uh, if you're anywhere close to a driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee, we hope you'll make plans to join us for our gospel meeting October 22nd through the 27th. All right, let's continue our discussion. Tonight we're talking about Christians and country, and this discussion has been provoked because of, or sort of uh, we, we initiated it because of all that's going on in the sports world where professional athletes are refusing to stand for the national anthem because they say they are engaged in a protest. They believe that our country has been and continues to be oppressive to certain classes of people. And so they're going to protest by not standing for the national anthem been a lot of reaction to that. Uh, some have supported the athletes in their decision. Others have um, really 
quite strongly objected to this form of action as a protest, and that includes our president, who's come out quite vocally against what they are doing. And so we thought it was worthy for us to ask, what about Christians and, and our engagement in this sort of thing, to make protest, uh, to engage in political rallies and protest? What, what should be our view about that? Uh, any thoughts, Anthony? Well, it's, a, it's an interesting topic. I, you know, I was, I was just trying to think about do we have any, any biblical example? You know, we talked about Paul and how he appealed to his rights as a citizen. You know, we don't, see, we don't have an example of Paul participating in a protest that I know of, but that, that doesn't mean that it's not, you know, acceptable for a Christian to do that. I think, you know, in our country, we talk about the rights. We, you know, we've mentioned the right to vote, for example. Well, we also have a constitutional right for free speech and a right to petition our government and to make our our grievances known. So, the idea of of raising our voice, you know, out of concern or or to to voice disagreement with a governmental decision, that's a right that we have. But I think we have to be careful how far we take that you know you mentioned some of these protests get very quickly get out of hand yeah. you know even if they're not violent if if we're engaged in shouting other people down or in uh, hurling insults at, at people just in the name of our cause or our position that that to me certainly flies in the face of many you know uh, many of our christian responsibilities exactly for example right. you know we, I, I i was thinking along that same lines could, could we come up with a biblical example of of such a thing and i really don't think there is a similar type of example the best i could come up with is there was a couple of episodes in the life of the apostle paul where he tried to address uh, almost a mob who had gathered, uh, causing all kinds of trouble. And, and he, he made effort a couple occasions to address such a riotous mob, but he certainly wasn't engaged in provoking the riot or causing the protest. Uh, again, we talked earlier about the fact that we have rights as citizens in the United States. We have a lot of rights that people in other places don't have. And one of the rights that we have is that we can we can speak out against our government. We can be very vocally critical, and we can do it in in very harsh, unkind, even vulgar uh, ways if we choose to do so. If if people in other countries of the world, certain other countries of the world, were to speak out, like America do, they'd be thrown in the deepest, darkest dungeon for right. sure. Right. Uh, uh, but that's one of our privileges. We can we can speak out against the government. And I think we have to be kind of careful about that because, uh, as we read earlier from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, we have an obligation to be submissive to governmental leaders. First uh, Peter 2.13, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Notice, be submissive, and whatever you do, it should be in the realm of by well-doing you put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. In other words, we wouldn't want to give any uh, ammunition, so to speak, to the opponents of God to say, well, look at those people, they're Christians, and look how they're acting. Uh, right. we, would, we wouldn't want to cause harm to the cause of uh, the kingdom of God. We've got to be careful. We can, we can exercise certain rights, and we have the privilege to speak out, but we need to do it in such a way that it would not diminish our example whatsoever. I agree. You know, we wouldn't want to you know, cast our lot in with, with a group or an or a you know, collective action that is going to you know, bring, you know, bring reproach on the church, for sure. Exactly. Uh, I think Randy in, uh, in his email mentions Romans 13, which is right along the same lines. Romans 13, 1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. 
Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. So again, a famous text there in Romans 13, beginning at verse 1, talking about the importance of being submissive to civil government. So in regards to political rallies, we have a right. We, we have freedom of speech. We can voice our opinion. But at the end of the day, our obligation is to be submissive to civil authority. Again, with the limitation, we're not going to submit to them if they instruct us to violate the will of God. But in so much as we can submit to civil government and obey God, we submit to civil government. Right. So if we're engaged in a protest or a rally that is somehow trying to be subversive, you know, we have there are these groups out there today that are essentially sort of anarchist groups that yeah. are essentially trying to subvert the government. That's obviously not... You we know, can't be there. That, right. So, uh, you know, in what you just read there in, in Romans 13, verse 2, so whosoever resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. So we right. don't want to be one who's, you know, trying to. We to should not even. It, sh- it shouldn't even be in the mind of someone else that we're resisting the authority right. of civil government. Right. So whatever uh, we do. Yeah, we, do, we just have to be careful. I think. Yeah. Uh, James, thoughts on that? I think you've covered most all of my points, even in the First Amendment. It, there's, you're given a right, but it has to be done in a specific way. It's yeah. peaceably a symbol, and a lot of what we see today it does not uh, seem that that's even in their thought process, that it needs to be peaceable, and you have to do it for the right reason. It should be a, should promote what's good and, right. and, and not what's bad. And, and in that, uh, you, you reminded me that in that context of Romans 13, the, the context just immediately preceding that at the end of chapter 12 was, verse 18, if it be possible as much as lieth in you live peaceably with all men. We're to be, God wants his people to be a peaceable people. And that being the case, and there's certainly judgments to be exercised, but that being the case, I don't think we want to be out there at the cutting edge of these protests against this or that or another. Uh, there's ways that we can let our light shine. But but we got to be really careful about how we engage uh, with those in our community in these matters. I agree. All right. Now, quickly, before we go to our break, we had one other question. Is there a difference between what an individual Christian might do and what the church as a collective body might do? So you're a Christian, Anthony, but you're also a citizen and you have rights as a citizen and we've talked about the privilege of exercising your rights, but would would you think that the, the the considerations that affect you are different than the considerations that would f- affect, for instance, a local congregation of God's people? Right. I mean, I think uh, you know we have certain liberties as individual Christians that you know that that don't necessarily apply to the to the church or to the congregation and even you know when i was looking at this question it made me think of all of the kind of the laws that we have to tiptoe around you know we can't we can't endorse political candidates right from the pulpit and so forth and so on so i don't see the the church as a whole being like a political entity you know, yeah i i think you're exactly right i've i've often said we're not a political action committee right and and it's interesting you know we talk the people who are protesting in this day talk about the the oppression of government and so forth well any oppression that our government doing doesn't hold a candle to the oppression of the roman government in the times of the first century when christianity was spreading throughout all the empire of rome but it's interesting when you read the pages of Scripture, there was not any effort at all on the part of the churches, or for that matter, for for those who were spreading the gospel. They didn't have a political agenda. Certainly the churches weren't taking a political stance on on those kinds of questions. And I don't really think there's any authority for us as Christians, uh, no, no authority for us as a collective, as a local congregation, uh, to be taking a political stand. Uh, here's what James in Ireland said. The church as a body has no role to play in politics or in government. The church can facilitate teaching on these subjects from the New Testament. But as far as taking positions on issues where God's law is not specific, the church has no role. The church's work is spiritual, Romans 14, verse 17. Paul in Washington says, yes, the the work of the church is spiritual in nature, preaching the gospel, edifying the saints, benevolence is needed to help the saints in need. We each have individual responsibilities to be good citizens, to do good as we have opportunity. 
As part of teaching God's word, lessons can be presented by the church to instruct and encourage us in those responsibilities we have as individuals. As we then live our daily lives, we are the church in action, but the church itself does not enter politics directly, hold political rallies, or contribute to political causes. Peter in Australia said there shouldn't really be a difference. Both should follow God's, both the individual and the church should follow God's principles. However, very often there is a difference because churches often try to follow the politically correct path, which so often goes against what the Bible teaches. I, he makes a point there, you know, a lot of mainline denominations, a lot of religious groups have really become politically active. And unfortunately, they've become politically active to try and promote Moral causes that violate the will of God. Go in the wrong direction. Going right. exactly wrong. Right. Yeah. 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 So again, I, I, I really think that as individuals, we have some judgments to make, but as a collective body, I don't think the church has any, uh, authority to be engaged in political matters other than to teach on the moral issues that are affected by the politicians in our, in our realm. Any thoughts, James? Nope. Thank you. Covered them. All right, let's grab our last break. When we come back, we want to talk about the fact that as Christians living in America, now here we have an email from Peter in Australia and James in Ireland, so uh, they may see things a little differently than us, but we live in a place where we have lots of freedom, and it may present some challenges to us as Christians. we got to be careful that the good place where we live doesn't become a hindrance to us spiritually. We want to talk about that when we come back. We'll be right back after this, and we'll go to the top of the hour. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College U Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. According to a recent survey, only 35% of American Christians find attending religious services to be an essential aspect of being a Christian. Most Americans who responded to that survey expressed their conviction that church-going is optional. It's good for Christians who want it, but not necessary for Christians who don't. That information is via Pew Research. The Word of God says in Hebrews 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're back. Thanks for joining us on the virtual Bible study tonight. We're talking about Christians and country and our, and how we relate as citizens in a physical when our primary allegiance is in our spiritual kingdom and to God. Uh, so hopefully we've been touching on some things that are very pertinent in our day and time. I think we have. We had one final question we wanted to ask. What are some of the spiritual dangers that Christians in America face because we live in a free country? Um, I don't start us out on that. Anthony, any thoughts? Yeah, I, you know, I, I was trying to think of some things here to add, and I think, you know, the first thing that, that comes to mind is just this idea of, you know, Especially as we become more and more of a secular society, our society seems to be pushing the needle farther and farther away from, you know, Christian values and morals. You know, we might be, you know, particularly maybe a weak Christian might be tempted to think, well, you know, I can do this or this is now legal. So, therefore, it's an okay thing to do. Oh, they, they've made gay marriage okay. Right. So, that's, that's, I guess it's okay. It's okay, and it's okay. I should support that now because the government supports it, um, you know, that sort of thing. I think um, probably the big thing that comes to mind on this topic and maybe part of what you had in mind, and we've talked about it before here on the Virtual Bible Studies, just – you know, as Americans, we have just in our blood this idea that you're not going to tell me what to do. And exactly. we have this in this fiercely independent uh, streak, and we're proud of it, and, and there's certainly some benefits, some positive things to that. But, you know, we threw off what was a King George, right? Yeah. We, we, got, we kicked him out. We, we declared independence, and it's been, you know, get and, out of my way. You can't then. tell me what to do. Right. Don't tread on me, this yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. And, and I'm not casting off on, on the don't tread on me crowd or, or the flag or anything like that, but 
we have to watch out that that we don't um, you know that we don't take a prideful attitude. Um, you know, humble, and as we've read tonight, we're to be submissive to our government. We're not to be, uh, and to authority in general. If we can't be submissive to our civil authorities, then, you know, how are we going to be submissive to God's authority? How are we going to be submissive uh, as, a, as appropriate in our family relationships, in our church relationships, submissive to the eldership, for example? So we, I, I think that's a, you know, that's a danger that we have to, yeah, I had the same thoughts in mind, sort of, sort of this independent, self-reliant kind right. of attitude, because as you say, it's pervasive in our country today. It's all the way back to when we broke off uh, from the British in the, in the Revolutionary War. And we have to understand that we, although we are free and independent, we're still dependent upon God for all that we have. In Revelation chapter 3, I was thinking how the Lord rebuked the church at Laodicea. Because they had this idea, we got it made, man. We have all that we need. We don't need anything else. Revelation 3, verse 15. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Notice, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Right. I mean, that's a that's a major problem. And I think we're sort of seeing that type of movement today. You know, people who are much more uh, studied in history could could say this much better than me. But, you know, if you look back at in our nation's history, there have been these cyclical phases of of sort of rebellion against God and then a return to spiritual things and spiritual values, you know, the Great Awakening. I think there's been, depending on who you read, there's been multiple Great Awakenings in American history alone. Um, but it seems like right now we are in the, the complete opposite of okay. a Great Awakening. Um, so I, I can only hope that maybe the pendulum is going to swing back in that other direction. But I think part of, to, to the verse you just read, I think part of the reason we've swung so far in the other direction is that we're in, you know, generally prosperous times. You know, we we have a lot of luxury. We have a lot of convenience in in our nation. We have a lot of technology. We have mm-hmm. a lot of social media that has completely distracted us, in my opinion, from from what we should be doing and yeah. spending our time on. So there are a lot of factors that are that are seeing that type of attitude in that verse you just read, where you know we we don't need. We we have this feeling we don't need God right now. Yeah. And you can hear that loud and clear in our popular culture today. I think you're exactly right. James? No, I agree completely. It's I think you could very well lose your dependency or your, your your idea of dependency on God when you have all of the freedoms that we have and the luxuries that we have, um, understanding that we are still not free. We yeah. are we are slaves to God, slaves for righteousness. That's right, and, and tr- truly dependent for all that we have on God. James one seventeen. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow nor tur- of turning. Everything we have is a gift from God, and and we're actually accountable stewards to use those gifts. It's we're not we're not self made in that sense. We're blessed by God, and we have an obligation to God. Um, Let me read some emails here from James in Ireland. He says, nationalistic fervor seems to be the latest craze. If Christians are not careful, we will be led with the multitude to do evil out of love for the country. Also using our liberty as an occasion to accommodate our fleshly desires, materialism, selfishness, lust, etc. I think well said, James. Very good. Uh, Paul in Washington State says, We can become lax in our exercise of our individual liberties and gradually lose them. We are blessed to live in a free republic which has given us the blessing of religious freedom. But we must always remember these do not give us a license to do whatever our civil laws decide is legal. Our ultimate loyalty must always be to God to be committed uh, to God to be committed above all to the furtherance of his kingdom and glory. Well said. And then from Peter in Australia Australia is probably one of the most free countries when it comes to being allowed to be a Christian, although there is a massive pandering here to also toward those that are forever offended. However, we, however, we are not yet prevented from expressing our Christian views. I suspect that after eight years with your previous leader in the U.S., 
the U.S. is very much like the United Kingdom, where it's uh, fine to be to openly express and advertise your religion, provided you're not a Christian. Uh, it amuses me that the left are so Christians uh, because we are supposedly so bigoted and dangerous, but they are too scared to say anything against the very peaceful Muslims. I would hope that America will become genuinely free under the new president. But he, he says, I fear your last one took you too far from God's principles. Um, uh, again, the idea is that, that we just got to keep our minds set on, I guess, what's the main thing, the, the top priority. Right. You know, again, to go back to, I think, a verse that James mentioned, and I've, I believe it was, I've lost my reference here on my computer with Philippians Maybe 320, I'm, I'm stabbing there, but that our citizenship is in heaven. So yeah. that's that's the citizenship that matters. At the yeah. end of the day, it doesn't matter, you know, what our what our nation is doing and our nation's values and whether we're going along with our society where we live and, and running after whatever they're doing. Our citizenship is in heaven, and, and we have to be sure that we... You know that we stay on good terms with that government, so to speak. And you mentioned, and you, and I think you're exactly right. The, one of the dangers is that because we live in a place where we get to vote what we want, then it, we might come to the the false conclusion that we can vote what we want morally. That majority rule makes it right because in our country the majority rules. Whatever the majority people say. We want him for president. We don't want him for president. We want this. We don't. And we vote, and the vote counts, and the rule stands. Well, that's fine in the country, but that has no place in God's kingdom. It's God's kingdom is not a democracy, as has been pointed out plenty of times. It's a monarchy. We have a king. Christ is our king, and he's a benevolent king, but he is king nonetheless and has absolute authority. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, he said, all power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. So we're not voting on, uh, we're not, it's not up for a vote as to what is allowed and not allowed. Yeah, so I think what you're saying is there's a danger that, that we could be, uh, our thinking could be perverted by these great freedoms and, and liberties and rights that we have as a, as an American, for example, that we think those might carry over into the, the realm of the church and, and morality that, well, you know, we can decide for ourselves what's right, yeah. just like we decide for ourselves you know, what our laws should be. It's an interesting point. Yeah, all right. James, what are your thoughts? I think you've got covered most of them that I had written down for this. Okay, all right. Well, again, um, we're grateful for the freedoms that we have. I, You know, I hope that Christians living in America take time to thank God for what we enjoy and the blessings that we have because there are plenty of places. There have been all through history but there are plenty of places in the world right now today where people don't have any hint of the kind of freedoms that we enjoy. And we're able to exercise our faith without interference, and that's a great blessing. But we need to be careful, and I especially like what James said, you know, materialism, covetousness, selfishness. Uh, we, because of our great blessings, we can we can fall victim to those sort of things that will absolutely derail us spiritually. We got to be careful. It's a major danger for sure, and you know I can't help but think, and this is a whole another discussion. I know we're almost out of time, but you know I don't think it's a coincidence that we that we have the freedoms that we have today in America, that we, uh, you know, that we've been blessed as a nation, so to speak, that we're a prosperous nation. Uh, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that that our founding fathers, you know, had had biblical principles in mind when they got this country going. You know, when you look at other countries around the world, that's not the case, and they don't have the same benefits, so to speak, that we have. I don't think that's a coincidence. Again, that's a whole other discussion. But, you know, so for those who want to to be prideful and say, look at us in America, look, what look we've at done. me, yeah. I think you can't really say that. You can't take advantage of the, the things that we have today without realizing that it, it came because – People had at least a notion. They didn't have it all right, obviously, yeah. but they had a lot right in terms of uh, of trying to go by uh, God's principles. Even uh, uh, on the way here tonight, I was listening to a radio commentator who was talking about some of the famous quotes from some of the founding fathers of our country. And they very often talked about 
the creator, you know, and they and and, and the the rights that we have from the creator. Well, they often wrote about that, and we we can't lose sight of that. Any final thoughts, James? Nope. Would you appreciate the the good thoughts tonight? All right. Thanks for being here. Thanks for running the board. Anthony, thank you for uh, filling in and doing a great job. And I hope we've said some things that will be helpful, uh, certainly something that all of us as Christians need to be thinking about. That's our virtual Bible study for tonight, Thursday, September 28th, 2017. Lord willing, we'll be back here same time, same place next Thursday night. Plan to join us for the virtual Bible study. Tell others. In the meanwhile, read and study your Bible. Live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.